Hi, and welcome to Right to Life of Michigan's Life Beat podcast. I am your host, Anna Plymert. Today, I have Grace Hemmicke joining me, and we also have a very special guest with us this week. She was a speaker at our March for Life last week, and it is Gigi Davis. She is a content creator, a social media influencer whose passion is helping post-abortive women confidently eliminate shame and live free while allowing God to transform her story. Properly known as Shame-Free Gigi, Janisha's story is an inspiration to many women who feel overwhelmed by guilt from secret abortions in the past, women who find it hard to overcome the shame. So thank you, Gigi, for joining us this week. We are so happy to have you. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you. Of course. So just to get into a little bit about it, we have your introduction. We know a little bit about you and so does our audience. But if you could really get into your story a little bit and explain how you got to be known as shame-free Gigi and how you how you are how you are, who you are today. Yes. So, man, I I obviously wasn't shame-free Gigi at first. And that name comes from literally um, people calling me uh, Gigi because my name is sometimes hard to say. Um, And so, but the shame-free part is me literally being rescued out of the darkness Um, For many years, for almost 10 years, I was hiding my secret of having multiple abortions. And when I say hiding, who was I hiding from? I was hiding from my parents, my my entire family, my church, um, friends. A lot of people didn't know I uh, would have these abortions and just stuff it down, stuff that pain. And I would, you know, just keep a smile on my face and continue on with life. And so that I didn't know was called shame. I thought that was just me managing the pain and managing, you know, and moving on with life. But it was such a heaviness and a a dark cloud of shame that I literally walked around with for almost 10 years, nine years to be exact, before I was introduced to a post-abortion Bible study that radically changed my life. Um, The name of it is Surrendering the Secret. And the woman, funny thing, she actually wrote the Bible study the first year I had my first abortion. Well, she released it the first year I had my first abortion. So that was 2008. And to have the answer to my problem right there in the same year be released and published on a huge network, which was Lifeway at the time, on a huge network. And I was a Christian in the church. I had never heard of that Bible study until nine years later. So, um, I, before that happening, before I got introduced to that Bible study and, you know, turning into this now pro-life influencer, this pro-life activist, um, I grew up in the church um, all of my life. I literally was born in the same church that I attend now um, and um, dedicated there. My parents went there as young adults and then they got married um, there and they, you know, just all of the things, like everything I did grew up in that church. We were there every Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday, if needed, Friday, Monday, Tuesday, every day of the week, if needed, we were there. And, um, it wasn't until I saw my sister at a very young age, 
um, and other girls in the church get pregnant and they all got, they all were um, required to come to the front of the church and share their sin in front of everybody and tell what they had done. And of course you can see a pregnant belly, right? But they were asked to stand and, you know, allow the church to share their concerns and their concerns of course came across as pure shame and judgment right Mm -hmm. and so it wasn't a loving it wasn't like one of these ministries you see now like embrace grace that you know all of the single moms all the pregnant moms come together and they love on you and they shower you with a baby shower and they you know tell you hey yeah you you know your team mom you you know you sinned you messed up but we're here to love you through this and we're going to encourage you and support you no it was staying at the front of the um staying at the front of the um, church and you are going to share your sin. And so me and my sister are 10 years apart. So she was 15. I was five. I saw that. And I still have flashbacks, even talking about it right now. Every time I mention it, I have flashbacks of it. And I remember telling myself, I don't know when, at what point, but I just remember, you know, you see something and you, you I probably didn't voice it back then but in my internal subconscious I told myself that would never happen to me I would never be shamed like that I would never be embarrassed like that so even though abortion was never talked about in my family no like I cannot there's no one in my family that mentioned the word abortion ever um I was just told not to get pregnant as a teen or you know before marriage um there was no uh, even though that wasn't mentioned I still somehow knew that that was the answer so that when I did get pregnant at 17, that abortion was the way I was not going to be found out. I was not going to, you know, be shamed. I was not going to be disowned and outcast by my church, by Mm -hmm. my family. So looking back now, it goes to show how powerful and impactful your community is, your churches and those around you are. And it, and with that, if no one's talking about the other side of um, pregnancy, which is abortion mm-hmm. as an as an option, um, then you're going to go to what you don't know. You're going to go towards what you think is the best thing. So I, of course, was told by Planned Parenthood that abortion was a quick fix and that, you know, everything will be over soon. Um, they actually funded they helped. They, they funded my misery. They funded me killing my baby. Um because you know on the other side of that could I do you think I thought about asking my parents to help fund taking care of my baby no only thing I could think about was let me fund you know or let me figure out how to get money to get rid of the problem and so that deception that escape that fear of people led me to um, using the abortion clinic as my way out and I, I hate it that I did that to this day, but I understand that that is a, the place where a lot of women are and where they get stuck. And so because I've been there, I have dedicated my life to speaking to them directly, but then also informing organizations and ministries and churches on how to reach them because I know where their mind is right now. I know what they're thinking about. I know what they're, um, what it's like to literally shut your entire brain off and walk into those doors of an abortion facility and commit murder. 
I know what it's like. I hate it. I, I regret it, but I can inform you on what it's like. So that way you can strategically reach them. I think that's a really powerful and much needed ministry, especially right now. I think for maybe a lot of pro-life people, we just assume that churches know that they need to be pro-life, right? And they know um, how to respond when someone does get pregnant unexpectedly. Um, So I think that your story really sheds light on to what some people don't know if they don't experience it and they don't experience it in their church. Um, An unplanned question that I have been wondering this whole time. So obviously you still go to the church that you grew up in. Were you able to kind of go back to them and say, Hey, maybe this program would be so much better for for young girls and for women to have instead of you making them go to the front of the church and shame them. Yes, I absolutely did. I, as soon as I, the only person I had told when I found out about the Bible study, um, and actually I found out about the Bible study in front of an abortion clinic. Me, not, not that I was going there to have an abortion, but it was my last abortion was January, 2017. I found out about the Bible study in March, February, March, like end of February. Um, And how I found out was a woman invited me to come and pray in front of the abortion clinic through Bound for Life's organization. And she told me her testimony after we did the prayer. Well, I didn't pray because honestly, I was feeling, I still was feeling so much shame because I hadn't gone through the Bible study. I hadn't been through the post-abortion healing um, classes and all of that yet. So when she, after we're done praying, she tells me her story. I'm boohoo crying, standing there with her in front of this abortion clinic. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then she tells me about this Bible study that she's going to be leading that July. So as soon as I finished August, I was done because it was eight weeks. Oh my gosh. I ran to my church that, that, you know, at church, how they do a new year's Eve service. Yeah. And they allow you to come up and tell your testimony for what God did in the previous year. I I record it's recorded and (laughs) I share my testimony. I was shaking, but I have a clip of it, of me sharing my testimony to my church. I was the first time they knew that their pastor's daughter had abortions. That was the first time they had ever heard it. And so I told them, you know, Hey, this is this. And there's also a ministry for pregnant girls if they get pregnant in our you know and we know about it in the church and they women moms started coming up to me and saying oh my gosh I didn't know but this could help my daughter I know she's had abortions and so it started this ripple effect of people saying me too and how can I get help that's awesome before we ask some questions about messages that you may have for, you know, Michigan or or, um, different groups of people around Michigan. I think one really interesting part of your story that I want to touch on a little bit is the programs that you have now and the shame-free Gigi and kind of what you're doing with that now. Mm -hmm. Yes. So right now, well, shame-free Gigi, that whole platform was built out of, um, 
I'm very, I have a marketing background and design background. So I'm very strategic on how I do things. The, the ministry name shame free came from, um, girls asking me, how did you get so free? How did you get, how did you beat the shame? And so of course I put the two names together. Cool. Got a brand, got a logo. Mm -hmm. Um, me putting that on my social media platforms, people ask, what does that mean? So that was intentional so that they would ask and it would start the conversation. Um, I used to call myself the post-abortion coach. That was strat strategic um, because girls would come into my DMs after they saw me share my testimony on YouTube. They would come into my DMs on Instagram, ticked on Instagram, Facebook, and um, email and say, hey, um, what is the post abortion? You coach us on after. So they will, here's the funny thing. Oh my gosh. So I will have the girls that come to me after seeing my testimony and they knew, you know, I'm not for abortion or, or they kind of thought, well, maybe I can ask her some questions, you know, cause I want to be, I want to be free from the shame. Mm -hmm. They didn't know I would lead them to Jesus and that I would say, Hey, do the Bible study. They just thought, okay, how do I get over it? Which is not good. You it, that doesn't solve the problem. But then on the flip side, I never intended this, never intended to help pregnant girls who were considering abortion and abortion minded. They, they would come to me and say, hey, um, I heard your testimony. Which abortion is the best one I should do? That's the least painful. And oh. I'm like, did I did I did I say I uh, refer abortions? No, but I noticed something. Oh, my gosh. That title was leading them in the pro-choice girls. And I could, I use that as a way to talk to them. Mm -hmm. So I don't go by that title anymore because I, it's very tricky. Um, and I'm very blunt now, but it worked that it drew them in and I was able to, um, talk to them. And a lot of them went to pregnancy because I would send them to pregnancy resource centers. Mm -hmm. And this is all through text message. Sometimes I would do a video call with them, um, or talk to them on the phone, but a lot of it was through DMs. And I would send them to pre PRCs, pregnancy resource centers in their city, in their state, and they would go and then keep their baby and then they're happy or they would tell their mom and then realize their one girl was like, my mom told me if I had got an abortion, she would have kicked my butt. Like she didn't know that she thought her mom was going to be mad. So she was going to have the abortion and then, you know, keep it from her mom. So these things happen all through social media because I was sharing my voice there. And believe it or not, a lot of people change their mind because they're constantly on social media. So mm -hmm. um, that was all strategic. But then I realized I was getting all these messages from these different places and I needed to create a central place. So right now I'm working on a, I call it Shame Free University. And it's a course in a community for post-abortive girls who um, have had a past abortions and want to, you know, hear the truth. It's just like the Bible study, but in a virtual um, online course style and coaching style um, where I will walk them through and we will talk about the hard things. And then I will equip them to then become a um, leader in their own community and get more girls and reach mm -hmm. more. So um, that that is in the works and very much looking forward to um, bringing girls on because it, there are many, there are many. And I truly believe that if we can reach them after the first abortion, mm -hmm. they won't have the second, third, fourth, and fifth. Like I did. I wish, even though I wish I didn't have the first abortion, 
I wish I found out about that Bible study in 2008 when I had my first abortion. I would not have had the other four and, con- and you know, continuously hurt my body, kill more babies, yeah. like the whole thing. So, yeah. Well, at the very end, we'll say where people can find you if anything that you have said has resonated with them or they know someone who needs support the way that you're offering it we'll say all the places that people can reach out to you or um you know find your contact information so that they can get involved with your with your ministry as well because it's amazing thank you yes so everywhere is shamefreegg.com um so that's my website um all social media platforms is at shame free gg whether that's youtube tiktok instagram facebook um twitter i'll be on there soon um (laughs) but all of those places you can find me and if i have many moms reach out and say how do i talk to my daughter how do i talk to my niece i have um pregnant women reaching out and saying, Hey, I don't know what to do. I'm scared to have this baby. Okay. Let's connect you to, um, a hotline. Let's connect you to a pregnancy resource center in your city. And so I help them find that. So, um, the mission is big, but it's necessary. And it is, we're called to reach those who are lost. And so how I see all of these girls and eventually the men are, coming on board, my husband, I, my last two abortions were from him and he didn't want the abortions. And so my husband is coming alongside me in this ministry and he is, you know, speaking to the men and letting them know they have a voice too. And so, um, it's just, it's really exciting to do this, to give back in this way Mm -hmm. and see more lives being saved and changed. So yeah, I hope that helped. Yeah, it definitely (laughs) does. We appreciate your work so much and just being um, a person on the ground that can, that girls can reach out to and, and find comfort. And obviously we have a lot of things going on in Michigan right now. Uh, So Grace is going to get into a little bit about that and kind of get your perspective on what people in Michigan should be doing. All right. Yeah. So we, we have, I think it is 50% of women who have abortions in Michigan are repeat abortions. So what you're saying, just it, it's so applicable to us today. And here in Michigan, we don't have strong pro-life laws or legislature. Do you have encouragement or words of wisdom for us here? What do you think we can do next? What should we be doing in this time? Oh my gosh. So I would say One, those who have already had the abortions, they're not a lost cause, right? Mm -hmm. So I know a lot of the pro-life movement, we aim for preventative. Like we go to the abortion facilities, we stand out there. We, you know, put a lot of our monies into the pregnancy resource centers to be there on, you know, to be prepared um, to prevent the abortions. Um, And so when that girl goes in, that guy goes in with her, or that those mean escorts, you know, reel them in and get them in that facility. And we know what they're doing. Um, Don't stop your prayers first for them when they go in. 
um, I'm sure God, every time he saw me go in those abortion clinics, his heart broke, right? But he didn't stop chasing after me. Eventually, my eyes opened after it got so dark. And he was right there waiting to give me the answer. So your prayers, somebody was praying for me. So keep praying for them. Um, When they go in and they come out, definitely have something ready to give them after that abortion. Or if there's someone out there waiting for them, give them a post-abortion uh, resource as well, a handout. Because I'm telling you, if you can reach them after that abortion, get them healed. Get them to the truth. They won't have more. And then guess what? They're going to be like me and tell their friends, don't do it. Don't do it. Right. So that is my, those, you know, prayer and then have something ready. I know a lot of pregnancy resource centers, they um, don't really have a strong post-abortion department because again, it's, it's a, we're very proactive in being preventative. But if you have a strong, invest more in your post-abortion department, um, invest more in sharing testimonies. And so that's my last thing is, I think it's truly vital for Michigan to bring on voices like you ladies right here in Michigan um, to bring on your social media platforms because the girls, the women are there old and young, they're on social media every single day, addicted to their phones. Mm -hmm. If your videos pop up, they're going to see, and then you specifically talk about what's in Michigan to reach them. What, what resources, how, you know, how to find a pregnancy resource center, how to, you know, um, there actually, there was a mom, oh my gosh, quick testimony. There was a mom in Michigan. The sister actually reached out to me and the sister is pro-life. She's an activist just like me. Um, she reached out to me. She said, my mom is threatening to hurt my sister. She's 17. She just found out she's pregnant. She's threatening to hurt her and beat her up. And literally this sister sent me a voice note of the young girl being threatened by her mom. I literally heard this on the phone and the little girl is screaming. I'm getting chills thinking about it. This little girl is screaming out to her mom and saying, mom, I don't want the abortion. Why are you guys making me do this? I don't want to do it. I don't want to do this. And the mom is like, if you don't do it, I'm going to beat you up. And you know, a lot of different things. You're ruining your life. You're ruining our life. You're a disappointment. I mean, and this little girl is fighting for her baby, her and her baby's life. And then you hear the phone, you hear all these hits and these, the phone being thrown around. And, and this young girl is recording this for proof that she's being abused. And I'm tearing, I'm literally getting so emotional talking about this. And I'm in Florida. I put a post out when this sister sent me this. And I said, all of my social media, everybody listening to this, pray for this young girl. If you know any resources in Michigan, I'm in Florida. If you know any resources in Michigan, DM me right now. Email me right now. I kid you not, within a couple of hours, people were sending me money to give this young girl. I sent this girl at least $500 in just a couple of hours just to get her some food, just to get her some resources, just to get her, you know, to a room for the night. Mm -hmm. And I kid you not, a, um, a, a pro-life woman that's in Texas reached out to me and said, I know I actually have a friend in Michigan that has a home for teen moms 
that are in crisis, they have a home. They will give her all her prenatals. They will give her, you know, they will minister to her. They will um, encourage her. They will love on her. And we reach out to that owner of that, the founder of that organization. And she got on the phone and she was ready to go and pick this little girl up an hour away. I think she was in Grand Rapids and the other, the girl, I forget the cities, mm -hmm. but that is how quick we were able to um, get that young girl resources. And her sister was able to buy her clothes and cause her, the mom, you know, wouldn't let her back in the house. So we were able, so this pregnant young 17 year old, that's the power of social media. That's the power of, you know, pulling on our pro-life family. We're all willing to help, but if we don't know what's going on in your area, then we can't help. Right. Mm -hmm. So that right there, if, if Michigan right to life, if you guys make it a point to get on social media every single day, post consistently, let people know what's in your state. I'm telling you, you're going to see people reach out to you and you're going to become a resource on social media because people are there and they're looking for help, but they won't think about it if they don't know what's available to them. So yeah, I, th I'm sorry if that took too much time, but that story just came <laughs> to my head and, and, <laughs> and she's doing well, the baby's growing, they are doing well, the sister is helping her and it's, it's a beautiful thing. So it's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so wonderful. I, it seems like your personal experience, you've had two wildly different reactions from the church. I mean, you found healing through this church group, but you were also instilled with the shame from the church at the start. Yes. Do you have a message to the church? What can they be doing to help prevent women from getting abortions, to react to women who have had abortions? What's your message to the church? The main message is stop avoiding the conversation, have the conversation, have a sermon series on abortion. I didn't know that Sanctity of Life Sunday existed until the pro-life movement, the pro-life, you know, community told me about it until after the uh, Bible study. So the fact that there's an entire holiday for churches <laughs> to recognize the sanctity of human life on a Sunday was news to me. And I've been in the church for, at that point, 27 years. So, and never hearing that, that holiday. So make abortion a part of your sermon series for the, you know, in your annual calendar, I've worked in the church. I know how pastors build their annual calendar, put abortion on the topic, put the abortion on the, in the series, and then have resources available. So have the ministry brochures available. There's so many, um, um, ministries out here surrendering the secret support after abortion. You got Abby Johnson's, you know, ministry for those who work in the abortion, um, facilities. Um, and then there were none you have embrace grace, which is intended for the church to set up themselves to love on any girls that are in the city, um, near that church to come that are pregnant and single moms. So you have the resources. There's no excuse you just have to be willing to provide these things. So definitely stop avoiding the conversation. And then once you have the conversation, have the resources ready because there are people in your church that are having abortions and that are going to um, be pregnant. And if you want to see life, then you prepare yourself to, to speak to it.
for the individual person in just a grassroots supporting pro-lifers kind of way, what can one person do? What's a, a practical thing that anyone could do to support life or support women who are post-abortive or thinking about abortion? No, your testimony. I would say everyone can tell their story, tell your testimony, whether you've had an abortion or not. You know someone who's had one, right? I say put it on YouTube, <laughs> but everybody's not will wanting to be on video. That woman that told me her story, what she used to do, the one that um, introduced me to the Bible study that told me her story on the corner in front of the abortion clinic, she used to print her story, her testimony on little index cards, small sheets of paper, and she would just hand it out. And on it, it said, I had five abortions. She too had five abortions. And, you know, she talked about how it damaged her life. So just that, share your story. That is the biggest thing everybody can do. Everybody, like I said, if you have not had one, put on it, if you drove somebody to the abortion clinic and how it hurt you and what you know now about life and what you know now about the truth and then put a resource on there, you know, put a, dot com on there because that is literally the I mean word of mouth is still the best marketing <laughs> mm -hmm. so what we're doing is sharing our story sharing our testimony and sharing a resource you know to get people there so um but if 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 as many people can share it record a video and then post it on YouTube even if that's your only video on YouTube I'm telling you it's going to help somebody you're mentioning of people telling their testimony, driving someone to the abortion clinic. That makes me think of a man's role in abortion. And it just seems like they don't have a voice. They don't have a choice. They could be for it. They could be against it. But there doesn't seem to be, there's not a legal recourse for them. They're not really in the conversation. What can men do to get in the conversation, to share their testimony, to make a difference and help women? One, if I really pray that men know that their voice matters, mainly because it takes two to make a baby anyway. So every man is uh, at some point, you know, you were there in that role of helping that young lady or older lady um, create a preborn innocent life, right? So when men really take off the scales off of their eyes and realize that, Hey, uh, in order for that baby to be here, it, it took a man. Um, so that really just refutes the message that men don't have a voice or men don't have a say, or what can a man say to a woman? It's her body, her choice. Um, that's the first thing is, is that that truth. If they, if they put my husband, I, I remind him all the time that, Hey, it took both of us. You, you know, you definitely had a say, um, and then if more men realize the power of their influence in a woman's life, they, they would speak up more and women would listen more. I think what's happening a lot of times is that we're only hearing, or we're mainly hearing how men are, um, not wanting the baby 
and are discouraging women are and are forcing women to have abortions. And again, that's real and raw. So we got to keep sharing those stories. But I think that if we equally share the stories of men who don't want the abortions, who are crying out for their babies, who are standing up for life, that right there would encourage more men that, oh, so I heard that man's story. He didn't want the abortion. You're right. It was wrong. So um, I think balancing out the the stigma and the the conversation around men and their perspective on abortion would really help impact and influence other men's decisions in the long run. So I know that we kind of ran out of time and talking about this, but I think in a, in a way we did, you mentioned that we can't ignore the fact that women do have a choice, especially in Michigan, women have a choice. It's in our constitution and we can't, we can't hide from that fact. We just have to face it. And so I think all the things that you have talked about, your your ministry and the advice you have given to post-abortive women and to men and to churches is helpful in itself and has kind of answered the question of how do you respond to women do have this choice and we can't ignore that. What do we do now? So thank you so much for sharing all of that, for sharing your story with us, for being our speaker at the March. It was absolutely amazing. And we're still, we're still on a high from it. We we're so excited that we were able to do that event and to have you there. So thank you so much again. I think that's all the time that we have for this episode. I just want to thank you, Gigi, for being here with us today. Thank you. This was awesome. Thank you so much for having me. And I pray for Michigan that you guys will see a complete shift, even with the constitution being, you know, changed, um, that you guys will see a, a life um, affirming result over the years and that the government will be confused like how is it that we you know we put this in place but we're actually seeing less and less abortions Mm -hmm. I think that that's how powerful the pro-life movement is is they don't know who they're messing with yeah this just fuels us up and may we not get discouraged but may this encourage us to go even harder than we've ever done before so Yes, yes definitely Thank you so much, everyone, for listening, and I hope you have a great weekend.